0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jimmy. How are you doing today, Jimmy? Doing
1: great. Getting excited for training camp. Starts in about two weeks.
0: Yep, we're getting close. We actually have Tigers baseball being played today. I've seen a few highlights on Twitter of that going around. So, And the NBA is getting ready to start up here at the end of the month. So, again, a lot of things... um, leading up to hopefully we can have a normal NFL season this year, but we also have some uh, conflicting reports we'll discuss later in today's episode. But um, before we get started, I do want to mention that um, we have been uploading a lot of our episodes to YouTube lately. And if anyone hasn't seen that, you should definitely go over and check us out on there and subscribe as well. And you can also see our beautiful faces as well. That's always a plus, right? So i um, yeah, it's just Motown Sports Talk at on YouTube. You can find us there. And again, we're still obviously uploading on all our normal podcast things. You can find us Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, all those places. So now that we have our own little promotion out of the way, the most recent update we want to discuss is something came out from Oakley this morning, and they're going to be putting this type of, sort of like the eye shield that they have on the face, they're going to be putting a mouth shield with vents, some type of vents or filter over top of it to obviously help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And again, I don't really have much to say on this. They kind of look pretty funky. You can obviously just look them up on, I'm sure I see on ESPN or Oakley's doc, uh, website but i guess again obviously jimmy with you being a doctor i want to get your opinion do you really think that this will help prevent even with like offensive and defensive linemen so close and all that stuff like what do you think
1: yeah so i'm looking at the espn.com where they have a sketch up of these face masks face shields it looks like there's some kind of filter over the uh, mouth area yeah so it's Potentially a little bit restrictive and can annoy some players.
0: Yeah.
1: The, the issue with any kind of risk reduction regarding COVID is you want to decrease the most risky things first. The question is how, how much risk are players actually in on game day during this three-hour game where they're, each play only takes a few seconds and they're very close to each other, but there's not that much interaction. Plus, these stadiums, a lot of them are outdoors and open air, so there's really good ventilation. Mm-hmm. Even the indoor stadiums, there's a lot of air around. Yeah. Uh, so, is this really significantly riskier than a practice session or what players are doing in their home lives, just having parties or getting together? going to restaurants, things like that. So, yes, these face shields may decrease the transmission or decrease aerosolization of the virus, but how much of a difference is it really going to make? That's really uncertain. Mm -hmm. A lot of what the NFL is doing is probably optics-related, PR-related, to make it look like they're doing a good job taking care of players Mm -hmm. and I don't blame the NFL for doing it because they take a lot of criticism for many different things so anything they can do to show the public that they're trying to take care of their players has some value from a PR standpoint
0: yeah that I completely agree with you with there being so much uncertainty surrounding if there will even will be an NFL season them just trying to again show that they're motivated to try and help prevent the spread in any any way that they can that any way might help and again this isn't I don't think this is confirmed to be a thing I think they're just going to be testing it out during training camp and stuff like that so again we'll see maybe they'll come out with another type of mask or someone else, another company might come up with something that's a little bit more breathable or so a little bit competition to the face masks, I guess. So players might have a little bit more options instead of just opposed to the one face mask.
1: Yeah. It would be nice to have more options come to the forefront because you see players that are in different camps. Some want more protection. Some don't want that protection. They don't want any inhibitions on their play. So you got a lot of different opinions and perspectives from the 1,600 or so players that are out
0: there. Yeah, exactly. Next up, we're going to discuss my weekly article that I do for the Sideline Report. Uh, Last week, I discussed the broken relationship that we have between Calvin Johnson and the Detroit Lions that I'm sure many fans are well aware about, but a lot of fans aren't exactly sure why and the actual reason they just know that the Lions asked for some money back after he retired from his signing bonus. Obviously, from a fan standpoint, you think that would be wrong. Of course, you'd think that the team should just let him keep what is it, just a few million dollars and blah, 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 that the team makes so much. Again, the fans don't exactly see into everything that's happened. And again, I kind of discuss a few other reasons that Calvin himself has expressed his unpleasantness, I guess, with the team. I guess, what are your initial thoughts on the whole Calvin Johnson problem?
1: Yeah, so I want to get a little technical into the whole signing bonus recuperation issue mm-hmm. and explore it from both the team's perspective as well as Calvin's perspective. Yeah. So back in 2016 when he retired calvin contractually owed 3.2 million dollars of the signing bonus that's in the contract there's really no question about yeah. it he owes that money somehow they decided to settle on 1 million dollars so i'm going to get into exactly why they settled on that amount so the team perspective is that they want that 3.2 million dollars back because it counts directly towards the salary cap and mm-hmm. allows them to sign other players or extend current players So it's not like the team's being selfish. It's not like Martha Ford is taking the money, putting it in her pocket and going out and buying a yacht. Mm -hmm. It's not like Bob Quinn is pocketing that money. They're using that money to pay other players who are actually playing. Mm -hmm. So it's not a selfish thing on the team's part to want that money back. Mm -hmm. Now Calvin's perspective uh, might be that he's seeing other teams forgive the signing bonus money such as most recently, like Tony Romo with mm-hmm. the Cowboys. So maybe he felt that the Lions should have done the same. But without question, contractually, it is clear cut that he owed the prorated portion of the signing bonus. Mm-hmm. So the question a lot of fans and people might have is, why didn't the Lions draw a hard line and say, we want the entire money back? That's what it says in the contract. We want $3.2 million. Yeah. Well, the reason is Calvin had some leverage in Uh, trying to decrease that recuperation. Mm -hmm. He could delay filing for retirement until the last possible moment, which could have been the eve of training camp, for example. This would cause his salary to remain on the books until he formally files for retirement. His salary at that time was around $20 million Mm -hmm. or so. So that's a huge number that would remain on the books, which means the Lions would not be able to use that money to go and sign free agents. Mm -hmm. If he wanted to even press it farther, he could threaten to malinger, which is basically pretend to be injured or uh, milk an injury and say, basically, I'm not going to play, which would force the Lions to cut him. If the Lions cut him, Calvin gets to keep his entire signing bonus based on the contract terms. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was He threatened the lions with delaying filing for retirement. How do I know this for sure? Here's the timeline. Calvin Johnson filed for retirement on March 8th, even though he knew he was ready to retire weeks beforehand. Guess when free agency started in 2016? March 9th. So Calvin and his agent, without question, were using the leverage of tying up his salary through the free agent period to decrease that signing bonus clawback so that forced the lions to make a decision okay do we want to draw a hard line and get that 3.2 million back which contractually we're going to be able to get back uh but that's gonna mean calvin's gonna potentially play his leverage and not retire for many months and screw up our whole free agency plans Mm -hmm. so That's why they ended up settling on $1 million. I don't see how Calvin has a good argument for being upset with the team here because it is clear in his contract, he owes the money. If he didn't understand that, that's sort of on him or it's on his agent for not explaining it clearly. Mm -hmm. The Lions work right in trying to get the money back. They had a good argument to get the money
0: back. Of course.
1: In 2016, if we don't, if Calvin Johnson delays his retirement, we don't get Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones signed for five years, $40 million that year, at which is $8 million a year. Mm-hmm. So we lose out on a bunch of free agents. Marvin Jones has been a fantastic player for us oh, during yeah. his entire contract. So we don't get him. Uh, if Calvin Johnson doesn't give us the $1 million back, there are some of these fringe guys that we're not able to sign or pay as free agents. Mm -hmm. So that money does matter from a team standpoint.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. People don't understand that again, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and a lot of stuff that's not revealed like that, such as all the leverage and people again, don't point out that type of timeline like that, just to realize what's actually going on with the team. So
1: I would love it if Calvin gives a little bit more perspective about why he's so upset with the lions for getting that $1 million back. There's no question he's upset because he's come out public and said, I'm not going to be on good terms with the lions until they give me my money back. He feels like it's his money, even though contractually, it really isn't his money. Right. And the lions even were willing to settle for a lower amount than what they were actually
0: owed. Exactly. So
1: if Calvin wants to come onto our podcast and give a little bit more perspective Maybe there's something that we're not, we're missing here about why he deserves to keep that money. But I would like to hear it more because I don't get his argument. His argument doesn't hold much water.
0: Yeah. And again, I feel like it's just him kind of holding his tongue in a little bit because it seems like, again, we've mentioned this before. It seems like once a year he comes out and has some type of slander at the Lions, which I'm honestly surprised he didn't say anything when he went on Glover's Quinn's podcast, which. Again, I'm sure like Quinn initiated when he got first got on there that he wants it to be more of a positive thing. He doesn't want it to be a negative just bashing of the team and all of that. They wanted it more of a positive vibe. So I understand that. But usually I'm sure eventually he's going to come out maybe with a full reason. Maybe he might write a book or again, just go on some other podcast and reveal a lot more information as it's pretty much all players, all retired players are starting their own podcast now as well. So.
1: Well, I appreciate Glover Quinn for keeping things positive and appreciative because Glover didn't leave the team on the best of terms either. He had some bad things to say about Patricia and Quinn. Uh, So it was really nice to see both guys staying positive and just sort of reminiscing a nice way. Yeah, It really made me like those guys, those, Those two guys are good guys. They're real good, classy guys. And those are two of the best Lions we've had in the past 10
0: years. Oh, yeah.
1: So it'd be great to see both those guys come back into the fold and come back for Lions reunion someday.
0: Yeah. Like I said, that's why I feel like Calvin Johnson's so nice of a guy, that he's not just going to come out and give his full disgruntlement with the team or his full reasonings for his disagreement with them. But
1: Yeah, my hope is that with Sheila Fordham taking over the team, Maybe it allows her to serve as a bridge to get Calvin back into the fold and back on good terms with the team. Yeah. But that's my hope anyway, but Calvin yeah. definitely is still very upset with the team for uh, requesting that signing bonus money back.
0: Yeah. But we'll just have to wait and see. And hopefully maybe one day, just like Barry Sanders initially had his displeasure with the team when he first retired. Now he's an ambassador and still supports the team. So Maybe one day Calvin will be back at that point.
1: And Calvin's still living in Michigan. He's got business interests in Michigan. So he's still in the area. Mm -hmm. So it, it would really be nice to see them come to good terms.
0: Yeah. Maybe one day. That's all we can hope. So we'll move on. And next up, we're actually a bit late on this news. It kind of snuck under our noses, but the Lions hired two new analytics coaches, one of them being Michael Pelfrey, who was previously an analytics intern with the team for, I believe, around the last two years, it's stated. And the second one being Kyle Brigante. I believe I said that right who he was recently one of the college division finalists at the 2020 Big Data Bowl, and he also created the Fan Boo Meter at this uh, recent draft in 2020. Again, not exactly huge news, but this is kind of important considering that some teams, we've all seen it with baseball, we've seen it with NBA as well, that a lot of these teams are hiring these analytics people who study way more than just like financial contracts and stuff. Because that's, I believe, when fans hear analytics, they think financial aspects and they're just controlling money. But really, they're looking at more things such as third down percentages and how often to go on fourth down or how often to kick it from a certain distance or in this type of weather. And just thousands of random percentages and different things and that's what they determine and kind of relate to coaches and staff on how to maybe game plan in certain aspects of the team like most recently we've seen the ravens who they hired two or i believe three analytics people last year and again we all saw we i mean we know that there was a lot of talent on that team so that has to do but i believe as you mentioned before we got on air jimmy that it, they were the highest and fourth going for it on fourth downs last year
1: uh, they went for it a lot that's yeah. for
0: sure yeah so again it's just random like little stats like that that they look into and in different things that determine how maybe a team may play out so again i know you know a little bit more about this jimmy so what were your thoughts on the lions bringing in a little bit more analytics
1: Yeah, I love to hear this because I love analytics, especially when it comes to game day management. Mm -hmm. Sheila Fordham, during her introductory press conference, mentioned analytics as well, that she wanted to get to know the analytic team better. Yeah. So hopefully this is a sign that the Lions really fully embrace analytics in game day strategy. Mm -hmm. And the two most glaring examples of game day strategy are fourth down and going forward on two-point conversions. Mm -hmm. As far as going for on fourth down, almost all NFL teams are way too conservative in this. Uh, There used to be this New York Times bot, uh, which had its own Twitter feed, which would in real time tell teams whether they should go for it on fourth down or not. Well, Almost always, teams wouldn't be going for it on fourth down when they really should have been. Yeah. So uh, that's something I'm going to be really keeping an eye on. Going forward on this season to see if we see any game day strategy changes mm-hmm. and seeing the Lions go for it more on fourth downs.
0: Yeah. The
1: but- other one was going for it on two point conversions. Mm-hmm. The past two seasons, we've seen teams convert two point conversions at a 49.4% rate. Unfortunately, according to pro football reference, the Lions are 0 for 7 in the past two years. Mm. And I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure that's a 0%. So unfortunately, we need to get that closer to 50% before we can even use a lot of this analytics and statistical probabilities as far as going for the two-point conversions. Exactly. We did see a big change last year in the Cowboys game. The Lions were down 14. They scored a touchdown to close it to eight, and they went for two, which from a statistical standpoint is the right move. Yeah. There was some controversy at the time, but no question statistically is the right move, assuming you're converting at close to 50%, Yeah, uh, which unfortunately the Lions are not. Uh, the Lions weren't groundbreaking in that standpoint, though. There were multiple teams that went for it when they were – went for two points when they were down by eight. So this is starting to be a trend in the NFL. that teams are starting to really understand statistics and math probabilities more and doing the right thing as Mm -hmm. far as going for two. It's also interesting that it's a good idea to go for two when you're down by four points as well. Mm -hmm. So there's these little quirks in math that teams can take advantage of if they have a good understanding of statistics and analytics
0: yeah i know it's kind of uh, a little bit irrelevant but almost anyone who plays men enough plays it consistently enough can know that again is pretty good with analytics again with points like that okay okay if i go for a two-point here i'll only need a field goal on the next drive to get ahead and just all little quirky things like that that i know mad players can't be analytics professionals for an nfl team but it's all little things like that and then uh as you mentioned earlier it also takes the execution power on the team to be able to actually do it just because it's the smart idea to go for a two-point conversion doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to execute it every single time and you have the talent to do it every single play
1: yeah with the lions poor running game over the past 10 years going for on fourth downs and going for two-point conversions might not be the best idea because they're so bad at short yardage conversions. Mm-hmm. But hopefully with DeAndre Swift and Kyrian Johnson and this real strong emphasis by Bob Quing on the running game, maybe that'll improve.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, we'll just have to wait and see. That's all we say every episode. But we'll hopefully these new analytics coaches will help Put a big improvement on the team. If anything, I think we'll see more of Gilletton, as you mentioned, on offense. We're gonna see more of a change on offense than on defense. I mean, obviously we got a new defensive coordinator, which we discussed last episode. So we're already gonna see a lot of changes, more blitz schemes possibly in our defense. But I think that these analytics guys are gonna help more with the offense and how often they go for it or what type of play or how many personnel they run against certain types of defense, all that type of stuff is more or less what they're going to be going for. So the next thing on the list for today is the extremely ridiculous contract that Patrick Mahomes has received. He basically got a 10-year extension, which is going to begin after his rookie contract expires, obviously, in two years. And so it is a grand total of $477 million with $26 million in bonus incentives to make it a total of $503 million potentially. This is the first time ever that an NFL player has had the richest sports contract in all of sports. It, that's usually reserved for baseball is normally where we see this type of money and this type of length of contract. Again, Jimmy, if you just want to briefly discuss like what this means for the NFL in general and the future of quarterbacks about to get their next big extension, if we could see this trend of just length or amount of money, maybe. I know it's a really a backload of contract and a lot of players and analytics people have stated that towards the end of the, his contract, it's actually going to match up with the standard of what quarterbacks should be making at that time. So Again, I guess, what are your thoughts on this affecting the future?
1: Yeah, my first impression was this is why I like the NFL (laughs) as opposed to, say, the NBA. Uh, Star players stick with teams. They are willing to sign long contracts, and you see the superstars stay with teams for a long period of time. We Mm -hmm. see Stafford with the Lions for 10-plus years, Aaron Rodgers playing forever with the Packers, Calvin Johnson playing nine years with the Lions. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see the great players and the star players stick with the same team Mm long-term. I think it provides fans some consistency. It gives you something to root for and it creates, it avoids these disruptive elements where one day you're rooting for a certain guy and the next day you're vehemently rooting against, against them. Mm -hmm. So there are, the NFL does a really good job with their contracts incentivizing guys to sign early by being able to offer big signing bonuses. So they get that money right away as opposed to having to wait until their current contract expires. Mm-hmm. So it it's real nice what the NFL does from a contractual standpoint to get guys to sign long-term. Mm-hmm. As far as Mahomes' actual contract, it, I think... A lot of people would agree that it seems to be a team-friendly deal for the most part, and I would generally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at his salary cap numbers. Right now, his salary cap hit for this year is $5.3 million, which is just insanely low. Yeah, And that shows you that the biggest advantage in the NFL right now for teams is when you get a star quarterback on a rookie deal. Yep. Now, the future re- years, it increases to $25 million next year, then 31, then 42, then 40. Compare that to Stafford who has a cap hit of 21 million this year, then 33, then 26. So it's really about the same type of cap hit that Stafford is having over the next two or three years. So that's a very team friendly thing for the next few years. Yeah. As far as the total length of the contract as well as the huge $500 million number, the agents and the player have an incentive to balloon these numbers so they can brag about signing the biggest contract in sports history. We don't know how much Patrick Mahomes is actually going to make until 10 years from now. He could actually make more because he might sign an extension five or six years from now, giving him a huge $150 million signing bonus. So, The realistic length of this contract might only be five to six years, after which the salary cap numbers really balloon. Mm -hmm. So I don't get caught up in the total value of the contract.
0: Yeah, I agree. Again, there's so much that can happen within 10 years, too. And we see, again, we see this with baseball teams and players who signed long-term contracts. They almost never finish their contract, whether they get cut or traded or or possibly, like you said, maybe even sign an extension that maybe shifts money somehow or gives them more money back And again, which which is back the money up more and then they possibly don't finish that. Con- so there's so much that can happen when you just see a 10 year contract for any again with any player, whether it's NBA, baseball or anything, they could it's more than likely that they are not going to finish out that just initial 10-year contracts something is going to be rearranged or changed or anything in that time
1: yeah the difference with baseball those full uh, contracts are fully guaranteed so we know they're getting all that money unless they actually retire
0: again yeah that's one thing I'm not sure if I just haven't found it yet but I haven't seen exactly how much of that contract is guaranteed for Patrick Mahomes I'm pretty sure over 100 million is guaranteed but
1: yeah the money is 63 million is guaranteed at mm. signing and 141 million is guaranteed for injury only. Hmm. there's some gray area with guarantees yeah. because like his current upcoming year salary maybe that doesn't count as a guarantee but they're not cutting him for this year obviously so right that technically is well not technically but in real life it is a guarantee
0: yeah exactly
1: now what is why would Mahomes sign such a long contract when it seems to be possibly a team friendly deal there's just a lot of value and stability and security Mm-hmm. when you can sign a long contract with a team that you'd like. Of course. There's value in having a legacy with one team for a long time. There are promotional reasons to do it. There are fan reasons to do it. Of course. Everybody loves you. You can go to reunions with the team. You can get a job with that team in the future. And I think. There are a lot of reasons why a guy would want to sign a long-term contract with one team.
0: Yeah. And I think that you mentioned it just there. I think that's one of the main reasons that the Chiefs themselves were willing to give him such a big contract because of his marketability. He's such a friendly guy. He's So all the fans love him. All the kids love him. All the players love him. Everyone can get along with him so easily. Again, he's a good locker room guy. So that's why the Chiefs are willing to give him such a long-term contract because they know that hopefully he's not going to, nothing bad is going to come out. No bad story. He's not going to like do anything wrong or again, he's not just become a jerk in the locker room all one day. So that's why they're willing to do that type of deal.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Character is a big factor in all this. If he was getting in trouble off the field or had character issues, then the chiefs are a lot more reluctant to give such a long contract.
0: Exactly. Like look at someone who else on their team who I'm sure is not going to be getting another contract like Tyree Hill. who. Yeah is probably going to yeah. demand a huge contract coming up soon. And I don't think, that, again, with all of his background, I don't think the Chiefs are willing to give him a long-term, high-paying contract.
1: Yeah, it's all case-by-case. Case. Depends on how good the guy is. Tyreek Hill is just an incredibly good and impactful player right now. So they were willing to extend him, I think it was last year a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But if his play drops off at all, those character concerns come to the forefront and really change things.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. And two more things I want to mention real quickly on the Patrick Mahomes deal. One thing is, do you think that possibly they could be extending Andy Reid out and try to do a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick? Because if they are securing Patrick Mahomes for 10 years, do you think if obviously Andy Reid's going to be have to be willing to coach for that much longer, but do you think if he wants to, that they might be willing to keep that tandem together? Again, I I follow a lot of random people on Twitter and there's a lot of arguments by a lot of people that state Patrick Mahomes is not, he, if he played for any other team, any other coach, even Bill Belichick, he wouldn't be nearly as good as he is with Andy Reid as his head coach. So do you think that they might try to do that?
1: Yeah, no question. Andy Reed's one of the best coaches in the history of pro football. You see what he did with the Eagles mm-hmm. prior. He had a long 10 plus year run with Donovan McNabb. They had a great offenses through that that whole time were very successful and he made the Chiefs a successful team right off the bat with Alex Smith and now with Patrick Mahomes so no question that Andy Reid has a big part of why Patrick Mahomes is successful we don't know exactly how much but if I'm the Chiefs I'm extending Andy Reid as long as I possibly can it looks like he Got a five-year extension back in 2017, so he's up at 2022. But Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy giving Andy Reid a 10-year contract extension if I'm the Chiefs.
0: Yep. I don't really have, I guess, a debate. I personally think that Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback. I honestly think he's kind of comparable to Stafford. That is one thing that kind of bugs me, that – Some I remember back in the day when Stafford had all these side, I know we're kind of getting off topic right now, but Stafford would have all these sidearm throws or these amazing throws and people would criticize him for that. And now Patrick Mahomes is doing these same baseball style type throws and people are praising him for it where again, like Stafford got criticized for it back in the day. So that's kind of one thing that bugs me. But again, there is no denying that I think Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback who makes some uh, outstanding throws.
1: Yeah, I think people are coming around to accepting Stafford's sidearm throws and come to realize that that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think he got some heat early on because the team wasn't winning. Winning cures everything. Of course, and Patrick Mahomes has won. <laughs> he's won the Super Bowl already. Yeah, so he can do whatever he wants. He can clo- throw no look passes like he's done. He can close his eyes and throw it. He can throw left handed. It doesn't matter if you can
0: win. Exactly. My last question for you about the Patrick Mahomes contract is how do you think this is going to affect, again, future quarterbacks? Like, I know Dak Prescott just recently signed his franchise tender and he's going to be up for contract next year. Do you think they're going to be willing to give a seven, eight, 10 year contract to someone like Dak Prescott or, um, like maybe in Lamar Jackson, who's going to be up in a couple years, do you think they or the Ravens are willing to give him maybe like a 10-year type deal? Do you think this is going to be the new norm in the NFL, or do you think this is just maybe a one, maybe a two-time deal?
1: Well, first of all, nobody can compare themselves to Mahomes because (laughs) he's the number one guy. So that's the ceiling for whatever other quarterbacks can make. As far as teams willing to give quarterbacks longer-term deals, I think they want to give – their quarterbacks longer term deals because it keeps them under control yeah and teams have the ability to cut the quarterback if things aren't working out so the cowboys do want to give Prescott a longer term deal it's the player who wants the shorter term deal which allows them to come up for free agency and give them more leverage yep earlier rather than later
0: yeah so again like i say all the time i guess we'll just have to wait and see if I had to again, if I had to compare the two that I said between Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott, I don't see Dak Prescott getting that type of long term deal, especially with the Cowboys. I don't see them giving him that type of long term extension. Maybe possibly if the Ravens, again, if, if maybe Lamar Jackson is willing to take that, I do possibly see him if he can continue his high level of play that they might be willing to give him a very long term contract. But
1: well, that's the key point. Can you continue that level of play? Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays a Very unique style play that with a lot of running, how long is that sustainable? Yep. And potentially can the defenses catch up and find a way to stop him? So giving him a longer term deal, I think is riskier than giving Prescott a longer term deal. Prescott's more of your typical quarterback.
0: Mm -hmm. We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen that obviously with the most recent notable cases, Robert Griffin, the third, who he's, he's still a decent quarterback, but obviously he cannot run like he used to, and he's nowhere near as fast as he used to be after all these surgeries. So all those running quarterbacks, I mean, you could make the argument for Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't necessarily call Russell Wilson a running quarterback. I think his offensive line is just so bad that he has to run and evade all the time. So, but
1: yeah, his game isn't running for a a lot of yards. His game is his, Incredible ability to extend plays. Yep. He's just a very quick, he's like a running back. He's like Barry Sanders with yeah. a great arm. So he's not this Lamar Jackson type, super speedy running quarterback. Yeah. It's like we talked about with Cam Newton last week. Cam Newton gets a lot of his play and a lot of his value out of his ability to run and mm-hmm. his ability to power short-term yardage short-term short yardage gains, those kind of things so if these quarterbacks lose a little bit of athletic ability it can impact them more than your typical drop back passer like a Dak Prescott
0: exactly so our last topic for today is uh kind of again some big news questioning if we're actually going to be having a NFL season coming up. First off the NFL PA has recently issued a request stating that they believe the whole NFL preseason should be canceled, not just the two game shortened, but the actual whole preseason should be canceled. I don't, I'm not, I haven't been keeping up with that. I'm not sure if they have come to a conclusion on if that's actually going to happen. As far as I know, it's still just the two game shortened preseason, but the, Big Ten in the NCAA football conference has confirmed that they're going to be doing a conference only um, season this year, which is obviously to reduce travel and to try and reduce exposures and just basically more safety precautions all in general. So this is obviously putting in jeopardy more of the regular NFL season happening. So I guess, again, you know way more about kind of what's going on with this whole COVID thing. So what are your thoughts on this, Jimmy?
1: Yeah, the, there's a battle right now between the NFL and the NFLPA regarding the pre, regarding the preseason and the protocols and the number of preseason games. The NFLPA released a formal letter saying they did not want any preseason games because it didn't, it wasn't medically a good idea. Yeah. Now I want to point out that they weren't fully there. There was a little bit they were leaving out in that letter, which is money, money counts in all of this mm-hmm. if the players were getting paid their full amount for these preseason games they wouldn't have any issue with yeah. playing them because yeah. they're not arguing that they don't want to play regular season games exactly they're just arguing they don't want to play the preseason games the way the salaries work is they get paid one 17th of their salary for each regular season week mm-hmm. so they're not getting anything to take additional risks during these preseason games As far as how much actual risk there is in playing the preseason games, I don't think there's any additional risk beyond a typical practice or training camp practice. The main additional risk is getting on the airplane for one to three hours and staying in a hotel room. Those are where the additional risks occur. Mm -hmm. The NFL could do something to help decrease those risks by having teams play games that are closer to them Mm -hmm. to decrease the travel time the airplane time the nfl has said that they're gonna they want to play weeks two and three i actually think they should play week one to try to get a game in as soon as possible so that they have time before the regular season to adjust any protocols so i think they should try to play week one and three as opposed Mm -hmm. to week two and three but right now they're going for weeks two and three Now, as far as the Lions schedule for Weeks 2 and 3, they're home against the Jets in Week 2 and then away against the Dolphins in Week 3. Both of those games involve significant travel distance Mm. on the airplane. It'd be better if the NFL could change the schedule so that the Lions played the Bills, Browns, or Bengals, which would be a much shorter plane trip and decrease medical concerns. Mm. So... Again, if medical justification was the criteria for the players, well, there's no justification for even playing regular season games. So, as I said, it all comes down to money. Yeah. And that's where the battle is being waged. And that's where the players might be trying to get some leverage and maybe asking for hazard pay or more money to play these preseason games.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which I think they are completely justified. Which that's a whole nother topic. And they're talking about kind of moving money into some sort of uh, escrow account and paying them later. And what I think it was thirty-seven or thirty-eight percent, somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. That they're cutting their salaries by. So.
1: But one thing that gives me hope in that the NFL and the NFLPA is going to work things out is there's one positive thing that happened this year. This this year has been a, a disaster for many reasons but one thing that was very positive was the nfl and the nflpa were very peaceful in how they negotiated this new cba and they were able to get it done a full year ahead of schedule with minimal to no public bickering like we've seen recently with the mlb yeah so it was remarkable that they were able to do that usually these kind of cba discussions go down to the deadline or even past the deadline with lockouts mm-hmm. and strikes the last cba uh d- discussion that happened 10 years ago was extremely acrimonious between demora smith and roger goodell yeah there's just fighting on public fighting all the time So this year, the fact that there was none of that was a really good sign, and it makes me hopeful that the NFL and NFLPA can reach an agreement on how this coming season is going to play out, the protocols, the money, without too much public bickering.
0: Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And again, I was for sure thought that we were going to go down to the wire and there was going to be a possible lockout or shortened season just because of the CBA, not let alone COVID. But um, yeah, so I guess, again, we'll just have to – Like I said, every time we'll have to wait and see and we'll just have to play it by ear. Again, I do agree with you about how you think that we should kind of do week one instead of two and three and kind of, again, give it a little bit of a a week space to see how it goes out, test the protocols and then make an adjustment, then go on to week three and maybe again, see how it goes. That seems more of a smarter plan than just doing two and three right back to back and giving more players exposure. Like you said, I feel like doing the travel and all that so quick week after week might be, but I don't know. Maybe their doctors supposedly know more than we do.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) everything is up in the air right now. There's so much that doctors don't know Mm -hmm. about this whole infectious disease thing. So this is why we do need these trial rungs. We do need these dress rehearsals in the preseason so that the doctors and the medical professionals can figure out what worked and what didn't so they can adjust it for the regular season. So get it started on week one so that the doctors can have some time to figure things out and change things if necessary
0: exactly also let's just have a week one so we can have some nfl football as quickly as we can because it's been a long time and i'm going to need some football here soon
1: i agree we're all sort of craving it (laughs) getting a little antsy for it
0: exactly again with all this the whole nfl season being in jeopardy of not even happening it's all just the moment i finally see some football being played i think i'll have a big sigh of relief
1: and back to your other point about the big 10 football conference changing to a conference play only they said there's potentially going to be a 10 game season max that's what they're looking at right now so the season could get delayed as far as the starting date and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out so we're already seeing some fallout yeah regarding covid
0: yeah again but i mean as long as it's not canceled completely I think I'll be okay. I I do enjoy college football, not as much as I do NFL, obviously, but I feel like college football, I'll just tune on, turn on a random game and just kind of enjoy football for what it is without having to get so worked up watching the Lions games all the time.
1: Yeah, it's sort of a nice appetizer on Saturday before the Sunday full meal
0: happens. Exactly, yeah, before I get all my emotions running right. through my body and getting all mad at the, <laughs> every Sunday night going to bed, but, you know. Yeah.
1: Now there is a chance that the college football season is going to be postponed or canceled. The Ivy league already canceled all fall sports. So yep. they're looking at if they're going to have a football season, it's going to be in the spring.
0: Yeah. And I know some other NCAA conferences, big conferences have discussed the same thing, having their moving it to the spring as well. But they would, if they did that, they would say do the same thing, just be a conference only type schedule. Yeah,
1: It'll be interesting to see how that college playoff system works. If, all these conferences are only doing conference play with no inner conference play. I don't even know how you compare the strengths of different conferences. I don't like it where the sec just, automatically assume that they're the best teams and best conference. Of course. It's not fair to the big 10.
0: And see, that what's my, again, this is a whole nother topic we're getting off debate, but that's my biggest problem with college football. And that's why I don't enjoy it as much as the NFL, because the talent is so far spread out. Obviously there's certain teams like Alabama, um, like whatever, like there's certain teams that always have a good team and a lot of talent that they come, but every team usually has one to two star players. who is really good in like division one, college football so the the talent level is much more spread out in college as opposed to like again sometimes i know this year we're not having interconference divisions but sometimes you'll see a division one play a low division two or division three opponent and they just slaughter them and it's just like watching those games is just not even fun at that point so that's why i think with any major sport there's i i enjoy watching the talent level being somewhat similar in a professional league.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's so much parity in the NFL. The talent level is so even every team has a chance. Yeah. Most teams are around that eight and eight range every year. So it's super exciting every year to see Mm -hmm. how your team is going to do.
0: Yeah. And even some of the worst teams, like you can see like some of the worst teams in the NFL beat some of the best teams. Like most recently was it, I think last year, two years ago, we saw the dolphins who were one of the worst teams in the league beat the new England Patriots last year. Yeah, so anything can happen in the NFL. Like you said, there's so much talent on every NFL team that anything can happen.
1: Yeah, you just look at the Lions season last year, we were leading almost every single game. Those are all coin flip games. Our record could have easily been 10 and six.
0: Oh, yep. It's, yeah, it's just so much goes into the NFL and so many. So many factors that play into a game and certain just one play can affect an entire game. So I guess that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and we will see you again next time.